So hello and welcome to ESPN Crick and Four Stump Mike our first episode of the new year 2022 and our first episode after a very long time I would like to personally apologize for the break but I promise you that we're back on a weekly if not a bi-weekly basis So this is the first episode we can also call it the Ibadat and Elgar show which is what we're going to cover today the Bangladesh and South Africa victories over New Zealand and India respectively both in their own rights pretty surprising test results with me today to cover it all first up is a jubilant mohammed assam assam welcome yeah it's a great result i mean it's it's i think it's one of the greatest results you know in 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 test cricket history i mean uh, i mean we're going to talk about it but you know right off the bat i mean it's something that that's a, i think it's a great way to start a year oh yeah absolutely we've had two test matches the i think the less said about the ashes the better no devan <laughs> yeah absolutely uh, although uh, at the point of recording this i'm hopeful that england can put in a you know a st- a stupendous rear guard and save at least one test match but yeah i mean I won't bet on it but yes uh, 2022 has begun on a good note i think two uh, test victories which have shown that uh, perhaps the perceived gulf between the test playing nations can be uh, bridged and that that can only be good news for uh, a format which sometimes comes under a lot of question without any reason I think Devan I'll speak for our English colleagues when I say it is the hope that will kill you <laughs> when it comes to this this series in particular with Isam and Devan today we also have Saurav Somani welcome Somani happy new year happy new year Karthik how's things oh all well all well here we've had like like uh, Isam and Devan both mentioned we've had two great test matches to start there and we're going to cover it all but I think it's best that we start with Bangladesh and let's let's just set the stage from from overnight on day 4 you know this test match starts really early for all of us here in in the subcontinent and at the end of day 4 new zealand they were leading by 17 runs and at this point they had also gone 17 tests at home without defeat i think there was something like six series wins in a row and all that and there was ross taylor playing his penultimate test match at the crease isam did did you believe then that it could happen Honestly I didn't I didn't believe uh, even at that point that you know Bangladesh can force the issue even from that point I mean um, as you said Ross Taylor and Rachin Ravindra was there I was having a little bit of a conversation with Andrew Fernando our uh, colleague from Sri Lanka and he like at the end of uh, day 2 day 3 and day 4 he sent me the same message I think that don't really I don't think that you know <laughs> New Zealand has it in them to bring it out from the dead especially because they were playing at home i think that's the main thing i mean the thing is with new zealand you know they just bring something out of the bag out of nowhere i mean uh, you had ross taylor i mean his feet weren't moving that much but you still thought that maybe they can you know they're such a proud side at home um, i think that's that's what um, really didn't let allow me to really dream that it was possible but it didn't take much longer than uh, 10 minutes on the next day You know uh, I was following this test match uh, a little bit intermittently I I couldn't watch a lot of it I must confess but I was watching a lot of it or following a lot of it through social media and even as late as the uh, stumps on day 4 a lot of fears were around potentially Bangladesh losing so that that just tells you about the kind of uh, you know nervousness that was perhaps around uh, uh, Bangladesh as a team and as as uh, Isam alluded to the fact that New Zealand just don't lose at home So till that point of time there was still that belief that you know maybe things would go uh, south even for Bangladesh but for from there to wrap it up so comfort, uh, comfortably and comprehensively i think uh, kudos to the team and to the management for uh, you know maintaining that level of belief right through uh, the 5 days of the test match 
Yeah, what was it? It took 10 minutes on the fifth day's play where Ibadat Hussain, he got the wicket of Taylor and he celebrated with his sajda and his trademark salute. Tell, tell us more, Isam, about the player of the match at, at, at Mount Panginu. He, he, of course, was in the Air Force. He was a volleyball player as well before, before he took up cricket, right? Very interesting guy. I mean, he's not the typical Bangladesh cricketer who comes from uh, club cricket or uh, age group cricket or BKSP. He actually, um, he was interested in cricket, but he took it up very late. I think 2016 was when he was picked from a pace bowling hunt. Um, uh, he, he topped the list there with 83. His, his highest was 83 miles an hour. Um, and then we figured out that he actually got a job in the Air Force as a soldier uh, through playing volleyball. He was in their uh, Premier League volleyball team. He's quite a tall guy and we hardly know him. Like in Bangladesh cricket, as you and Saurav has, has visited Bangladesh, uh, I think once and I think Devine has visited many times. He knows that Bangladeshi journalists know inside out of any cricketer from his under-19 days. But this guy, I can honestly tell you that I had no idea about. So when I wrote his Facebook, uh, sorry, when I wrote his uh, Cricket for Profile very early, like around 2016 or 17, when he first got into, this sounded like a very interesting guy because I realized that, yeah, he was from the Air Force and I and I called him up one day and I asked him and he was like, yeah, I'm from the Air Force. I play volleyball there. He was quite shy about it. And um, somehow he got into, so he's from uh, Select, which is on the eastern side of Bangladesh. Um, he didn't actually get into the Pacer Hunt from his own district. So he had to travel uh, to another district near Dhaka called Faridpur. That's where he got into the Pacer Hunt so, last So you end. can do that. You don't have to be a resident of a particular place to sign up. Apparently. Apparently. I've heard stories where kids uh, turned up without shoes and got into some Pacer Hunt. You know, Mustafiz is, one, is from one of those Pacer Hunts. Uh, this one was quite well, uh, uh, you know, marketed by the BCB. This was called the Robi Pacer Hunt and... It was around 2015-16. He got in and then he was brought to Dhaka as part of the top five who could, you know, train under the BCB for three years. And that's when Courtney Walsh saw him. And obviously the pace was, you know, a Bangladeshi guy bowling fast. He became uh, somewhat of a, you know, a novelty act. And then he started to play all those side matches against touring sides. And then somehow he got a place in the Silet uh, first class team. And then one season, I think 2018-19, he took a lot of wickets. He got a 10 for, I think, in one game. And suddenly this whole new uh, pace attack was created in Silet where you had Abu Jayed, you had Khaled Ahmed, both of whom have played test cricket. And now you had Ebadot. Uh, he made his debut in New Zealand uh, in 2019, February. Um, so, and, you know, it, it wasn't as if everyone was really enamored by what he was doing. He wasn't, he made, didn't make a good start. I think we're going to talk about his bowling average. I mean, whenever you mention Ibadat Hussain, the word bowling average comes in. It's it's uh, He was in the high hundreds. Uh, the strike rate was very high. Yeah, it was absolutely shocking. I mean, before this test match, he bowled well against Pakistan. One wicket, I think, he got in one game. And we all said, oh, he's bowled better than, you know, he's bowled most of his career. But, I mean, I'll be honest. Again, um, Otis Gibson tra- trusted him. Courtney Walsh liked him. So there must have been something in him that they liked, but they were ridiculed and they were, you know, Ibadat was slammed on social media for not taking enough wickets or having this really high average. And we know that uh, before this test match, he, he I think he had the highest bowling average for anyone who's taken 10 wickets in test cricket. So 
there you have it. I mean, the, if you wanted an unlikely hero, I mean, there couldn't be more unlikely than uh, Ibadat. I just thought that, you know, we have made a mistake in Ibadat's uh, Crickinfo profile. The first sentence should be, he's a guy who even Mohammad Isam didn't know about. Because that is the <laughs> biggest uh, achievement. I, I, it's, a, it's, it's shocking to me, really. <laughs> because yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's the textbook definition of uh, flying everything. under the radar. Yeah, yeah, because there's nothing in Bangladesh cricket that happens without Isam knowing about it. And I have been to Bangladesh twice, Isam. You've forgotten one, right. one trip. Oh, yeah. 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 So, yeah. But, yeah. but I also wanted to ask Isam on a serious note. Like, I saw Bangladesh's test against Pakistan and they were pretty much outplayed. Like, what happened? This transformation from one test to the next, or one series to the next. Incredible. Absolutely. Um it took everyone by surprise, especially, you know, remember, uh, I think Bilal Asif took eight wickets in one innings and then they bowled Bangladesh out just in the nick of time in the fifth day, uh, on the fifth day, um, two and a half days lost. I mean, that was, abs- I mean, so embarrassing at that point. And we remember that the, there was a debate about Shakib not playing uh, the New Zealand series. He apparently uh, told the cricket board that he doesn't want to go. And I remember we were all sitting in the Dhaka press box and wondering what's going to happen in New Zealand. I mean, no Shakib, no Tamim. Riyadh had uh, retired. Only Mushfiq was going. And, you know, the first thought that came to my mind was two days, three days maximum. I mean, that's the most number of days they would play in New Zealand with this team. And no no, no promise, nothing from that uh, Pakistan series, as, as sort of mentioned. They were abs- crushed by Pakistan. There was like no doubt that, um, you know, they were in huge trouble. Um so three things that has happened, I think, in this time. Uh, firstly, I think uh, there were they, they had their backs to the wall. Um, secondly, without Shakib, without Tamim, I mean, the writing was on the wall. In in fact, I mean, they knew that if they had to do something uh, to get out of this funk, I mean, um, you also have to keep in mind that they were in a ten-day quarantine instead of a three-day quarantine because uh, Rangana Herath had uh, COVID. Then apparently some of the players were sitting close to another COVID patient in the in the COVID case in the plane on their way to Auckland. So all those things happened, and I've asked uh, almost everyone like, really, what what did you guys do? What did you guys have? It was just normal training and a bit of motivation, and a few players, a few young players, finally realizing that Shakib Bhai, Tamim Bhai, Mushafi Bhai, Mushafi Bhai, Riyad Bhai, they're not going to bail you out every time. I think that's what really happened. I mean. They finally got the clear picture that Bangladesh cricket is going to be without these players very soon. And the the faster they, you know, they get their acts together, the better. And I think they chose a very good time to, you know, get that uh, get that thinking right. Someone mentioned on Twitter, and I'm sorry, I apologize because I can't remember who did, but Deban, someone mentioned that maybe it's not the worst thing these days to be under strength in a test match, is it? Yeah, shades of uh, Brisbane, wasn't it? Uh, but yes, I think uh, Isam makes a good point that sometimes adversity does tend to bring a team together. And uh, I, I remember doing, I was on comms for the Pakistan Test match, the second one, where it was uh, almost, uh, I mean, everything looked like it was inevitable, that it looked seemed even inevitable that they would fall behind, they would have to follow on. And then there would be some rash shots from some of the senior players and they would end up losing despite a couple of fighting partnerships. So, uh, it really couldn't get any worse from there, uh, from my perspective. And 2021 generally ended on a bad note. I, I think Bangladesh, 
really underperformed at the T20 World Cup. There was no excuses for the way that they went about. But looking at their overall body language, it seemed like, you know, some of the players were jaded. Some of the players were perhaps not uh, brave enough at that point of time. So maybe they needed that break. Maybe they needed to go to New Zealand, a country that they've toured quite often. Uh, we shouldn't forget that New Zealand effectively were without their mainstay, really. Again, it underscores that without Kane Williamson, New Zealand can be a slightly different side. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, taking no credit away from the way that Bangladesh performed. Yeah, yeah, Devan, you know what? You, you don't want to undersell it, right? This is still the World Test Champions. This is still a side that came to India, commendably drew a test match and then in the next test had a spinner taking 10 wickets in an innings who they could then afford to drop. No, no, absolutely. It's, it's a huge, uh, it's a huge victory. And uh, the, the other point which I wanted to make right from the outset is that uh, there have been some, you know, similar dawns in the past for Bangladesh cricket. Most notably what Isam wrote about, uh, you know, the 2005 ODI victory against Australia. Then, of course, the 2015 series win, I think, a sequence of three series that they won in, in the ODI format. Uh, the two T20 series victories last year. So, they have had big performances. Even in Test cricket, they've had some big performances and some overseas victories. But... Uh, what matters now is what they make of it. Thankfully, they cannot lose the series. But it will be very interesting how the team goes about in the second test match. Uh, what is the follow-up? And how do these uh, some of these performers from this first test uh, continue to keep up that uh, level of consistency? That will be the best possible news for Bangladesh going forward. Yeah, um, I'm going to use a Bengali word here. I think Levan will understand what I'm trying to say. It's, it's basically, it's called Alokik. Alokik, I think it means otherworldly. I mean, sometimes we... Um, we sometimes forget that it's also sport. It's also a lot of emotions involved, and you know, data sometimes doesn't really, you know, um, add things up for us. I think this was one of those occasions. I mean, Brisbane was again. I thought India. It was absolutely something that no one really thought would be possible. I thought. I thought uh, Centurion 2019, uh, Kusal Pereira. And that Sri Lanka series in South Africa. I mean, South Africa were coming apart a little bit, but I thought that was that was also one of those. But we really haven't had much more than that in this cricket. I think uh, bottom ranked team beating the world champions. I mean, you have just named them world champions just six months ago. Um, I, I I thought there was a smack of um, a bit of arrogance dropping Jas Patel from that team. I mean, again, New Zealand can can be can afford to be arrogant. Or can be can afford to drop Ajaz Patel. Um, so all of those things added up. I think this was something that um, will will need a bit of time to be explained, you know, in the future. Yeah, if, they, if there's one way that you can do it, it's by reading uh, Mohammed Sam's piece, which is the miracle in Mount Mang 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 I'm 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 butchering the name, sort of. How how do you pronounce Manganui, it? Yes, Manganui. The miracle in Mount Manganui. Manganui. Yeah, I think that, that's how I say it. Yeah. Hmm. I, I also translated into I also translated into Hindi for a Hindi site. So there you can read it as Mount Manganui me Bangladesh ke uh, chamatkar ko namaskar. Oh wow. That's a super <laughs> heading, man. <laughs> so so if you prefer in Hindi, you can read that piece by Isam there as well. Isam uh, before we come to you and your interview with Ebatat, there was another interview he gave. Saurabh, I don't know if you saw this, you must have. The interview that he gave post-match to BT, BT Sport, BT Cricket. It was, I think it's the start of the year, but it's one of the best interviews given by a sports person I, I have seen ever. I unfortunately, uh, I know of it, but I couldn't see it because uh, I was mm. doing uh, ball-by-ball commentary for the other test where we had an upset. 
so it was uh, that was pretty much taking up all the bandwidth that i had for following the, 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 then i then i'll tell you one thing sort of that i recommend you completely you go now it's there on i think our cricket for twitter feed or you can go to cricket on bt sport as well i mean the way he spoke about no we'll just go to the cricket for twitter he, feed no uh, let's just <laughs> yeah, <through>. yeah. <laughs> we can go there you could catch the interview it was it was sensational and isam mentioned that when when you asked isam when you asked uh, about about his volleyball days he was a little embarrassed here he spoke he spoke so well about how this team had to step up without the senior pros how a lot of teams before have come to new zealand and guess they've they've not just not won a test here they've not won a single match in this country bangladesh and it's been it's been a long time coming so tremendous tremendous stuff by by everyone involved with bangladesh Before we leave this test match, though, Deba and you alluded to it. There was the 2005 victory over Australia. Now, this was an Australia that was dominant, I would say, for a decade in that format of the game in ODI cricket. It was a pre-2005 Ashes Australia as well. Sort of, if you had to choose between the two or rank, which one could possibly be more game-changing than than the other? which one would you go for this one for sure i mean a it's a test match it's away it's in a country where for decades almost they have not won a single match an odi it's is less volatile than a t20 but it can still be won on the back of like you know one great performance a test match has to be won on the back of like consistent performance day in day out and uh, so that's why this one easily for me is the greatest for bangladesh Isam, do you remember that day in two thousand five? Yeah, yeah, completely. I mean that um, as as but as sort of sort of said. I think I think it didn't really change Bangladesh cricket much. I mean, if you see their few their the next couple of years, oh yeah, I mean the next year they did started to win a bit. Then they beat India in two thousand seven in the World Cup, but it took them a bit of time. I I I asked uh, Mominul uh, Mominul Hug the captain after the match that uh, whether this win was a bit like new zealand losing 4-0 in bangladesh when they came for a five match odi series in 2010 it felt a bit like that that it was continuous you know domination in that series but again that was in bangladesh bangladesh wouldn't wasn't winning a lot at that time they were they were really in a bad situation then they turned around and won those four games but then again that really didn't contribute to them doing very well so this one i i would say that this had a, this will hopefully have a larger or a broader impact on bangladesh cricket and that was a much worse uh, new zealand team right isam the one they beat no, no, no. that was yeah much no, no, worse no, no, no. Bangladesh, this team actually bangladesh didn't have tamim and mashrafi in that season only shakib was the only one and mahmudullah okay. and uh, mushfiq were like really bit part players at those time i mean no, no, i was completely shakib the new zealand team was much worse than what it is now like the, this new zealand yeah, team yeah, yeah, yeah. New oh zealand yeah, yeah, team yeah new zealand is is an absolute Yeah, totally, totally. That was a very like that was a normal New Zealand. I mean, that was only Daniel mm. Vettori's team, and uh, McCallum wasn't really firing that time. Yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't obviously like this one. A normal New Zealand. How how times have changed for that two <laughs> World Cup finals and and the world they are the World Test champions as well. Deban, you alluded to it. The final match. You didn't give us your prediction though, and you're usually good at this. So it's going to start. It's going to start a few hours after we're recording. In fact, so do you see them g- giving a fitting farewell to to Ross Taylor? Oh that's a tricky one. I mean uh, if you were to go by the form book then certainly you would expect New Zealand to fight back well. Uh, but uh, again uh, like I alluded to in my uh, one of my previous comments I'm hoping that Bangladesh picks up something positive out of uh, what they've done at Mount Mangonui and if that uh, remains the case then you should be in for a good test match. If it's a good contest then uh, you never know. I mean it it could just turn out to be a 
series victory for Bangladesh. Not not to suggest that they might win the second one, but if they can draw this, that will be a huge, huge result for them. Isam, do you have a prediction for us? Yeah, uh, you'll see uh, a similar Bangladesh approach to this test match. The batsmen are going to be very, you know, they're going to take it very slow. Uh, they're going to take it, they're going to bide their time as much as they can against this really good pace attack. And then I think Taskin Ahmed and Ibadat has done, and, and of course, Shodiful Islam, they've bowled well. Uh, you're going to see a continuation of that. I think if they can hold their catches again, get those runouts. I think those are very important for Bangladesh. These are, <coughs> sorry, this is what um, caused them into 2021. So many times that they got in great position, but they let it slip. So I think hopefully um, this one test win, I mean, it changes everything. I mean, it changes the mood in the dressing room. Everyone's smiling. I think that that these things are very taken for granted in other test teams. But for Bangladesh, you know, these small things really matter. So I, I think you're going to see, even if, they, if the result doesn't go in their favour, I'm sure they're going to play better cricket. Bangladesh captain Mominul Haq said going into the fifth day from the fourth night that he didn't sleep a wink we hope and and we're pretty much sure that he slept soundly for the few days after that so congratulations Bangladesh once again and we move on now to Johannesburg where Saurabh you were on ball by ball commentary for South Africa versus India the second test match this was a chance now for India to of course claim their first ever series win in, in South Africa they were without their captain, but South Africa, they had their wicketkeeper batter who retired after the first test match, Quinton de Kock, their talisman probably. This was probably not as big a surprise, I mean, definitely not as big a surprise, but, but it was it, it was up there, right? Oh, the result was a huge surprise. Uh, even without uh, Virat Kohli and uh, let's not forget without Rohit Sharma too, uh, I think uh, India would have fancied themselves as the the team with more weapons uh, and the better team. But, uh, of course, South Africa uh, have the the thing that is most crucial to winning a test match, which is a great bowling attack. And uh, so do India. But then Mohamed Siraj got injured on the first day. And I think that also played a significant part in uh, how the workloads were distributed and how effective uh, Bumrah and Shami could be. And... Unfortunately, you know, Bumrah and Shami, they don't have the wickets to show for it. But they bowled some beautiful spells in this test. It's just that uh, they didn't get the wickets. And, uh, well, Shardul came and covered it up for them. But, yeah. <laughs> so, it was uh, it, it was still, uh, you know, till South Africa started batting in the fourth innings and strung together one after the other great partnerships, I thought India would have you know, continue to fancy their chances. Even on the final day when only 122 were needed to get, uh, all it takes is like one inspired spell, which these guys have done before. So, it was it was definitely a surprise. So, the highest targets successfully chased versus India, Debaan, 1977, Australia chased 339. In 1987, West Indies chased 276 in Delhi. And then we have to come all the way to 2022 for 240 that South Africa made. Again, I'll ask the same question I asked as the first test. Did you believe when South Africa began their chase? Uh, well, uh, to be very honest, uh, like Saurabh said, a lot of things did go against India. So in that sense, I don't think the final result should be considered a surprise. I mean, I think you also have to go right to the beginning. I, I have always maintained and I've said it often on this podcast as well that if a team bats first and doesn't force the other team to take the second new ball, 
then you normally don't expect that team to go on to win the match. And that's exactly what happened with India. When you post 202 in the first innings, you're always chasing the uh, game from there on. So even though they bowled really well, Shardul Thakur, perhaps with the spell of his life, you know, hitting all the cracks at the right time. And somewhere, I think uh, the fact that there was rain on that fourth day, that also played to the South African hands. Maybe if the game had started on time, if it had just been overcast without that much of overnight rain, uh, maybe the conditions would have been a little bit more, uh, you know, uh, conducive for the Indian seamers. But yes, a combination of factors, Siraj not being there, and we should give credit to South Africa. I think they were outstanding. Dean Elgar was very good. Rassi Anderson uh, understood his role perfectly. Uh, Temba Bavuma came in and survived an early cotton ball scare, but after that, he batted quite uh, perfectly. And right from the start, they were very positive. From the moment that Aidan Makram came out to open the innings, he was looking to put away anything which was bold even remotely close to his pads. So they came with a definite plan. I think they took a leaf out of the book of what they saw from the Indian innings when uh, Ajinkya Rahane and Cheteshwar Pujara batted very positively during the 100-run partnership. And uh, it, it looked very ominous from the moment that the fourth day's play started, that uh, they meant business. They were there to finish the job off. And that's what they did. And, uh, you know, we, we hosted a couple of, on Crick Info Hindi, we hosted a couple of Twitter spaces. And there were lots of questions uh, one one frequent question was that, you know, should the bowlers be blamed for this defeat? I frankly felt no. You know, the Indian bowlers had been repeatedly bailing the team out on several occasions in overseas test matches. Uh, this was perhaps, you know, one rare occasion when across two successive days, they didn't bowl as perfectly as they've done on most uh, occasions. And it just happened to coincide with them looking to defend a somewhat modest target. I think if India had just been able to prolong their batting effort a little bit more, uh, take it a little deeper on day three and set a target closer to 300, then you would have felt the pressure completely on South Africa. But that couldn't happen. And that's what just gave them a little bit of an edge heading into the last bit of that match. I think safe to say the star of the show, at least in, in their chase for sure, sort of was uh, Dean Elga, South Africa's captain coming off. He, he, I'm sure he doesn't want to be the first South African captain to lose to India in a, in a test series at home. He's it's pretty obvious to say that he is a fighter. But his innings, with the blows that he took, it reminded me of, you remember Pujara, was it sort of at Gabba? Where he took like 10 blows on his body from Cummins and he was yeah, bruised all was. over. Yeah, it, it reminded Sydney, me of that. I think. No? Sydney and Gabba. Sydney. Like, yeah. Okay. Hmm. In fact, yeah, just a year back, we were on a podcast discussing the miracle of Sydney, which the miracle of Gabba eclipsed later, you know. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, Elgar uh, just, you know, it's incredible how the guy just just finds a way to survive at the crease, and uh, any most other batsmen against uh, guys like Shami and Bumrah, the way they bowled their uh, first spell in the first innings, especially, I don't think they would have survived. And Elgar uh, just manages to, you know, and he I think he has a uh, incredible uh, capacity to. Uh, let the previous ball go. All good batsmen have that, but he might just have it a little bit more because he takes the blows. He the ball goes past outside edges. The ball takes the edge, but he faces up to the next ball the exact same way. So yeah, he's obviously got a lot of uh, you know uh, ticker. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Two other people that impressed as well. Saurabh, I'm, I'm sure you you watched them a lot during these five days. Were Keegan Peterson and uh, Temba Bavuma. Both of them were very impressive and especially at the crease. But I think the guy after Elgar who we should talk about is, you know, Rabada. And uh, 
he bowled the spell that actually decisively shifted the momentum i thought like uh, I, i'll tell you what did you hear elgar's interview at the I end did. he said rabada yeah, yeah he, he didn't really allude to what happened but he said something happened behind the scenes and rabada needed a rocket to get him fired up uh, we, we don't we don't know the details so we're not going to speculate but yeah it seemed to have worked so elgar not only you know uh, uh, made the runs against india he also had a part in getting the wickets against them so <laughs> <laughs> because he he told rabada after the first test that i think uh, you know he was not at the level that uh, at which he was expected to be at and that has that fired rabada up and in fact before he got pujara rahane and then pant he almost had rahane caught except that uh, i think it was keegan peterson and markram who were at second slip and gully who both didn't react thinking the other one will go for it so he he shrugged that off and like four overs later he came and just uh, you know blasted them out one after the other and he was bowling really you know the typical ferocious rabada rhythm that that he gets into which is very very tough to survive Sam if I can ask you what do you make of of Kagiso Rabada I'll tell you I have a bias towards him he's only 26 he should be he should be one of the standout bowlers of his generation but there's something in the last few years where we're not really considering him up there on par with maybe the best in the world in test cricket going around at the moment then Karthik who do you consider as the best in the world I mean yeah, I, I, I was yeah. just like I, I I mean Anderson always yeah. at home Bumrah of course is special anywhere that he plays mainly overseas there's Jofra Archer when he came in and especially yeah. in the Ashes like this they, they just seem to take Cummins I, I guess Cummins it's a perception it's, vote, Cummins Cummins as well Pat yeah. Cummins of course he's a lot more I, I was saying Pat Cummins has been knocking over this Mino team recently but he's really good <laughs> so I, I, I'm, I'm probably completely off base here, but it just seems to be that Ravana should yeah. be as good, and and he is as good as the guys that we've named. Yeah, I think I think the last couple of years he's been a little off off the radar a bit. Uh, not not, you know, I still consider him as one of the best fast bowlers in the world, and. Um, I, I mean, it's not not necessarily that uh, you have to consider Anderson as. <clears throat> they're not from the same age group as well so i think if you consider him uh, making his debut in 2015 you have guys like cummins and you have guys like uh, jofraach as you mentioned you have hazelwood yeah i think i think he stands uh, at par with uh, with the likes of these bowlers and obviously bumrah mohammad shami comes in in that picture i think a lot of the indian fast bowlers come into the picture as well but i think i think i think what we always expect is is uh, these fast bowlers or any bowler um doing well outside his comfort zone i think if he does well in countries like now now you have they play a lot in india maybe if he does well in pakistan and, and one of those big series and then he'll be back on track for uh, south africa but he's great in their condition i think as a result as well deban at the wanderers in south africa and india have played six test matches and this was so first time i think i think before the match it, it just came up in a few few of our stat pieces but this is the first time that south africa has beaten india at this ground so pretty much this was india's fortress this seems to be becoming a bit of a trend in the series isn't it <laughs> it's a becoming a trend in world cricket at the moment that uh, mm. you know wherever a team considers itself to be i think for one thing we should retire the word fortress i think it's overused across <laughs> uh, especially on tv shows and everything everything becomes fortress gaba fortress centurion and everything uh, so i mean you have to put everything and, and in, to be honest yeah, in, yeah. in 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 modern modern times the word really doesn't make much sense we need, exactly. we need to find something 
but so, but Deban, you, you can do yeah. a kila pe hamla headline for Hindi. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, we we are a depraved loft, uh, but not that bad as well. So uh, <laughs> so uh, again, coming back to that, I think we have to view it in perspective. So these are six test matches uh, played across several tours. You also have to consider that, especially in the earlier years, uh, Johannesburg was always the last test match. So. Typically, by then, an Indian touring party would have come to terms with the conditions. I think 2006-07 would be an exception where I guess it was the first test match where, you know, Shreesanth uh, notably split the game open. And I think I completely agree with Saurabh that uh, this test match victory was also made possible by that spell, that fiery spell from Rabada on the third uh, afternoon. Uh, because up till that point, the way that Rahane and Pujara were batting, it seemed quite likely that India were actually going to be in a position where they could completely dictate terms. I mean, if if that partnership had uh, you know uh, stretched on for another fifty, who's to say that India might have been in a position maybe with you know two days to go to uh, declare some three fifty ahead or something, and from there on, obviously chasing a fourth t- fourth innings total on that pitch would have been quite difficult, because we saw up and down movement right through right from day one. Uh, however, it seemed to settle down a little bit uh, towards the fourth innings for whatever reason. The rain obviously also was a contributing factor. And on Rabada, I think we have to be fair to him that uh, if you look at how South Africa have gone about, especially in the last couple of years or three years, they ha- they really haven't played a lot of test match cricket. So uh, his sample size is obviously going to be low compared to a lot of his peers who are now beginning to be talked of as great uh, fast bowlers, as Isam alluded to, the fact that, you know, Cummins is there, uh, Jaspreet Bumrah is there, uh, Anderson is still going strong, Broad seems to be, you know, seems to keep getting better and better, but somehow England don't play him as often as they should, perhaps. So, uh, keeping all of that in mind, I would say that, yeah, Rabada uh, should get his due. Uh, Maybe he's not had those great performances yet, but this was definitely one of them. And if he brings the same intensity and the same uh, quality into the third and final test match, then it's going to make for a great contest because this is probably not the strongest that the Indian batting has been in a long time. And if there is that vulnerability, it is against quality, uh, you know, high-class, fast bowling. So that's going to be a great contest to watch. If Rabada can keep up with that intensity, I think what happens with him a lot, uh, which is common to a lot of attacking bowlers, is that they also tend to leak runs. And that was probably where he was going wrong both in the first test and in the first innings of this match, that he gave far too many balls which the Indians could happily put away. Even in the early part of that uh, uh, Indian second innings, he was bowling a lot of uh, boundary balls. But once he uh, kind of tightened up, then he was quite difficult to face. So the final test starts January 11th. It's at Cape Town. This is the series decider between South Africa and India. And I can't let the three of y'all, in fact, go without asking, I think, the, the one question that all Indian fans are asking. Virat Kohli, Rahul Dravid says, is good to go. So he's going to be back captaining the side for for the final test. Devan, we'll stay with you and we'll go to the others. So who goes out for Virat Kohli? Uh, I can tell you what I think and what I think the team management will think. I would think that uh, he should come in and uh, Ajinkya Rahane should make way. uh, Because Hanuma Vihari showed in, in a couple of innings. That he is in a fine, you know, fettle of form. He's, I, I, I can't, I can't believe it, Deban. You have spent two years on this podcast backing Ajinkya Rahane. I honestly, this is a, this is a revelation for me that you are saying Ajinkya Rahane needs to go. Well, at the moment in this current Indian batting lineup, there are far too many players who are out of form. Far too many batters who are out of form. So I'd rather go with a solid-looking option rather than somebody who is, of course, capable. Who is, of course quite classy and he's shown it already in a couple of innings in this on this tour 
but probably not at his confident best. So I'd rather go with the younger guy who might, you know, uh, add a little bit more value. But I, having said that, I, I can't see the Indian team management tinkering with uh, what has been their favoured lineup. So I think it'll probably be Vihari who'll have to make way. Hmm. Saurabh, we'll leave the last word with you. But Isam, get in on this. Who goes out for Virat Kohli to come in? I haven't, honestly, I haven't followed uh, that test series too uh, keenly, but I've really liked how uh, Hanuma Bihari, I saw a bit of highlight somewhere. And obviously, when Virat Kohli comes in, I think, I think what uh, Debayan said, I think it's sometimes, you know, even, even if you, if you, if you have thought about Ajinka Rahane in that way, that, you know, he's such a stable guy, um, current form sometimes, you know, tells you exactly what to do. I think, I think it might, uh, go that way, but team managements, you know, Devine, they can be really very emotional more than we f- or we journalists or, or the fans are. I think they they usually take a lot of emotional calls, so it might not be Ajinka Rahane at the end of the day. I, I, I don't think team managements get emotional about this as such, but I think they're still going to stick to Rahane because uh, you know. Uh, two tests, he has played well in both tests, except for the first ball dismissal in the uh, first innings of the second test. The three other innings, he has played really well. Uh, the In the second innings of the first test, he was uh, out a little uh, cheaply because he was looking for quick runs. but And he was finding quick runs. I think he scored better than a runner ball before he was out. Uh, because India were looking for runs before declaring. With rain forecast and all that, so <clears throat> I think they're going to stick to Rahane just for that. And uh, but I think also that uh, there is a short turnaround time between tests, and Vihari copped a blow towards the fag end of South Africa's chase when uh, I think it was Keegan Peterson who slog swept Ashwin, and Vihari was at short leg, and he copped a blow on his hand. So it might just mean that you know uh, there is no selection decision to make anyway. It's just Virat Kohli coming in. Bihari is not hundred percent yet, and that's it. So in the next few days, we're going to have two what we hope are fantastic Test matches, two series finales, and we'll catch up with you next week probably with with the results of both the matches. Saurabh, Isam, and Deva, and thank you so much for joining us today on Stump Fight. Thanks, Karthik. Thanks, Karthik. <laughs>